appreciate having an opportunity to be here this morning and uh, and just wanted to talk about something. I've been praying about this sermon for a week or so that uh, kind of deals with us and who we are as, as Christians and, and what's required of us. And uh, we're going to be in the book of John this morning, but just for a couple of verses. And first chapter of John, if you want to turn there, if you don't, you can just listen because it is a short passage. And uh, we're going to kind of go from that direction. John 1, verse 14 and verse 17. In John 1, verse 14 says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. And we have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And then in verse 17 it said, For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And those two principles are two, and we're going to kind of talk about this morning a little bit for grace and truth. And talk about in reference to a balanced church or a balanced faith, what it means to be balanced in those two principles in our life as, as a believer and as a church. And if we think about that, I think you would all say that, would agree with me, that there's something wrong or something sick about a church that tries to offend everybody or that offends everybody. You know, their goal every week is to make sure that nobody's happy. Let's, you know, let's, let's see if we can make somebody mad. Let's make somebody feel guilty. Almost to the principle sometimes you say if they're not if they're not upset then we're being too easy on them. Now that's an unhealthy church, and I'm not saying that's us. I'm just saying that's an unhealthy church. Okay, don't don't read nothing into this this morning. There's also something wrong with a church that never offends anybody, and there's a lot of them around today. That just says come in any way you are and do whatever you want to. It's okay, and so they say don't focus on sin, don't focus on obedience, don't talk about confession and submission or scripture. For sure don't talk about hell. I mean, you don't even mention that, I mean, in today's culture. Don't hurt anybody's feelings. And so we have two kinds of churches there, both of them dysfunctional. One that that pretty much alienates everybody and one that doesn't offend anybody. So kind of where are we going with this? Well, let's think about Jesus' ministry just a little bit. Jesus didn't offend all the people all the time, did he? But he did offend some of the people some of the time when it was necessary. Because Jesus, in love, always told people the truth. And that's one of the things that we have to look at. He was perfectly balanced between grace and truth. He loved people and said he was full of grace and truth in that passage. So, in other words, he was completely perfect in grace. He was completely perfect in truth. And so, by that, he could could love people, but he could also tell them the truth. He never presented grace at at the cost of truth or at the expense of truth. And he never shared truth at the expense of grace. He always had the two tied together because he had a perfect balance. And, and we're going to talk a, bit, a little bit of how that relates to us as, as we look at it. And so, Scripture tells us that we're supposed to come more like Jesus every day. We're supposed to be growing each day to be more like Christ. Romans thirteen fourteen says, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. Meaning, more of self dies every day and we become more like Him. So this issue of grace and truth... It's applicable in our lives because we're supposed to be coming more like Christ. Now, he was perfect in grace and truth. We'll never be perfect in grace and truth, but we can sure be balanced in grace and truth as best we can as we look at it. And, you know, when you study the life of ministry of Jesus, there's one thing that always stands out. People love to be around him. Children, Pharisees, sick people, pagans, tax collectors, people, he drew people to him. And part of it was because of that uniqueness that he had, that people knew he cared about them and he could tell them the truth. But he loved, but people loved to be around him always. 
And again, it was that balance. And we might say in today's terms, he was real. He was transparent. He was somebody that was approachable. He was somebody that was sociable. It was nothing fake, nothing false, no strings attached, no ulterior motives, just pure grace and pure truth. And people could not resist coming to him and being around him. And that's what grace and truth does. And we, when we think about that as churches, if we get that balance right, we'll, people will have the same effect on people around us when we look at them. But let's be honest about this for a minute, about this issue of grace and truth. I'm going to say 99%, 99.9% of people in this room lean one way or the other. We're either good at grace and not too good at truth. And, and this is not a bad thing. It's just how we're made. We're strong truth, weak grace, or we're strong truth, or strong grace and weak truth. One of the two. We kind of lean that way. Now, I knew one person in my life that wasn't that way. It was a fellow named Gene Large. was a home builder in the area here. He passed away a few years ago. And Gene could talk to anybody about Jesus anywhere. And he had to say, you couldn't resist him. He had this big jovial smile and laugh about him. And he could see something. I've seen him a number of times on the street just stop somebody. I'll give you a good example. We were talking in history one day in front of the Ace Hardware, and a guy came by in a Kentucky shirt. And Gene was a big blue fan, the only fault he had. I mean, he was over the board with that, so no offense. But, but he said, hey, bro, he was talking to me. He said, hey, brother, big blue. And they stopped and talked. Within three to four minutes, he had talked to that man about Christ, and the guy wasn't saved. He said, well, I never thought much about it, but he walked away and he wasn't upset. Gene could share the gospel with people and not upset them. Now, everybody can't do that, but he really had a unique combination of that. He had a lot of scripture memorized. I was at his funeral, and they asked a show of hands in a church that was seated about 700. How many people in here did Gene have anything to do with you being saved? Over 200 people raised their hand. That's the impact he had. But now, all of us are not built like that, okay? Most of us are either truthers or gracers. We're on one side or the other. And so there's three things about this issue of grace and truth that we have to understand and embrace if we want to be a healthy, balanced Christian and a healthy, balanced church. First one is, we need the passion of grace. We have to, the compassion of grace. We have to have that. If a believer is more tilted towards grace, they like people. They get along with people. They make friends easy. They're quick to forgive. They're quick to apologize. They're slow to confront. Again, this is not bad traits. This is just who they are naturally. And they'll make peace with people. They'll do things to keep from hurting somebody's feelings. And people are usually comfortable around them. People that are high on grace, people like to be around them because they know they're going, they're going to treat them well. They're people of compassion sometimes to a fault because usually discernment is not one of their, one of their key issues. And so they have a tendency to being so strong in grace that they overlook a lot of times things they need to see in a person. To make sure. But that's okay. That's just who we are. And the positive point of grace, though, is you have to have it and exhibit it in a church. Listen, there's, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer that everybody that comes in this church on Sunday morning has got at least one thing in your life that you wish was better. Now, some of us don't have very serious things going on. Some people have a lot of serious things going on. There's people come through this door with marriage problems, children problems, money problems, job People need to be loved and cared about. They need to be coming to a place they call family that says, Hey, we're family here. We love each other. We care for each other. You can share your burdens. We'll pray for you. And those type of things. Relationship, friendship, emotional support. That's what helps people heal. And that's what a church family has to be. We have to be that to each other when we, when we come in and, and on Sundays and have, you know, and have the same thing going. But it can lead to a weak gospel. Now, grace, too much grace can lead to a weak gospel because we have a tendency to compromise. We don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. 
We have a tendency to accept or overlook or yield to pressure a little bit. Again, that's not a bad thing. That's just how that person is made. They're high on grace. They're high on grace. So we talked about needing the compassion of grace. We need the conviction of truth. Can't have one without the other. But here's the thing about truth-oriented people. Truth-oriented people, care. they care about people, but they care more about people biblically. They want to know if you're saved more than they're worried about your social status. They're not, they're not as interested in, in friendship and relationship as they are, is this person saved? What does this people, person believe about the Bible? You know, they, and they don't have a lot of, they'll, they'll shut you off if you're a person that doesn't believe Scripture or that you, 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 you dismantle Scripture or that you take away from Scripture. And almost to a, to a flaw, they operate under a principle. Here's God's Word. You can get mad, you can get glad, or you can get gone. And, and not, not that drastic, but they don't mean to be that way, but they are. Because if you don't believe that's God's Word, they're through with you. Because, you know, they might love you and hope you change your mind, but they don't have the grace to keep loving on you. They, they just, they'll let somebody else do that. They're through talking to you. And so we have to realize that about who we are. But that's all truth and no grace, and it's hard to, because what happens in, in truth, when we present truth to people and they reject it, we want to try to leave a candle burning where they can come back, where we can come back to that and have an, have an inlet with them. One old preacher said there's two ways to talk about hell. You can talk about hell from the pulpit like you're glad everybody's going, or you can talk about hell from the pulpit like you're sad people are going. And there's a big difference, and the person hearing it is a big difference. Because if you sound like you're glad they're going, that's just truth. I mean, that's just, hey. But if you sound like, you know, you're sad people are going, then that's grace and truth. I'm telling you the truth, but it breaks my heart that you're, that you're not saved. And so there's a difference in the way you present that when you look at it. Now, one of the negative sides of truth is they can alienate, alienate people pretty easy if they don't control that straightforward presentation they do. And I'm not saying be soft on the truth, never. But a truther... Needs some grace in the way they present it because you can present it one or two ways. You know, you can, you can drive people away or you can present it to people that it convicts and, and leads them to them. And one of the issues we have in our society today is, uh, this caricature of Jesus that, that we've invented out here for a lot of churches. It's a kind of a Jesus that says, let me live any way I want to and still feel spiritual. One writer said, we have this laid back best buddy Jesus, this I don't care Jesus. This Jesus says, I don't care how you live. This Jesus says, I don't care about the adultery. I don't care that you don't believe most of the Bible. But Jesus says, I don't care if you don't come to church much. Jesus says, I don't care about your anger problem. A Jesus that says, I don't mind if you take advantage of people or if you're a bully. That's just the way some people are. I don't mind if you have unethical, unethical business pre, uh, principles. A Jesus that says, I'm not worried about the pornography or the lies. A Jesus that says, hey man, you're okay. I'm okay, God's okay, church is okay, just have a group hug and we have a big okay party every Sunday. But there's churches out there that are preaching that and presenting that right now. So that's one of the issues we're dealing with when we look at this. No strings attached, no obligations, just sign a card and put it in the plate. We'll add you to the attendance, and if you need a miracle, just call me. Jesus says, I'm just a prayer way, just holler at me. That's the Jesus that we're presenting to a lot of people that a lot of churches are today. That's why truth's critically important. That's why it's important. This church... We believe in truth. I, I can speak for the staff on that. We're, we're, this is God's word. We're not, we're unapologetically going to stand on that. If that ever changes, I'll be the first one screaming. But because that's, that's who we are. Richard Niebuhr, who's a professor, talks about modern day theology, and he said, We've created a God without wrath who brings men without sin 
into a kingdom without judgment through the ministry of a Christ without a cross. No sacrifice, no life change, no absolutes, no obligations. Just come on in and get the blessing of Jesus. Holler if you need something, but live your life like you want to. That's why truth is critical, because it's being so damaged out there today. That is a lie straight from the lips of of the devil, and we know that. And if you believe that, somebody's lied to you. And, you know, and, and we'll talk to you about it if you need to. But that's just something we've got to understand that that uh, is, is straight out of the devil's mouth, and, and we can't let that get to us. And <clears throat> so when we start thinking about the positive points of truth, then it says somebody that's predispositioned for truth, that's predispositioned towards truth, is critical to the health of the church. Well, why? They're going to keep us. Away from false teaching, they're going to keep us away from false. And you say, well, we're not going to fall for that. But listen, the devil don't always broadcast I'm coming in with a false truth. The devil comes in quietly a lot of times. And, and, he, and he never gives up on us. He's always creeping around. Jude 4 tells us this. He said, for certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ their only Savior, Lord, and Savior and Lord. Satan never gives up. And I promise you, you can turn on TV this afternoon and find some of that preaching on TV. I promise you, if you want to look for it. So when we think about it, we need compassion and grace. We need the conviction of truth involved in who we are and what we're doing. Thirdly, we need the compromise of the two. We need a, we need a balance of grace and truth. As, as believers and as a church, John eight thirty two says, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Not any truth, the truth, the truth of God's word, the truth of the gospel. And the key is balance. Jesus had perfect balance. He was God. We'll never have perfect balance, but we can get better at it. We can, we can, you know, we can make ourselves better people. We love, if we love people enough, they'll let us tell them the truth. And it starts with that. But we've got to love people enough that we will tell them the truth. Because just loving people with grace and no truth, you send them straight to hell. Because they're never going to understand the gospel and never be saved when we look at that. Here's a little comparison I thought was pretty good when I found it. Grace says everyone has a way to God. Truth says, but there's only one way to, to God. Grace says redemption is possible. Truth says repentance and turning from sin is necessary. Grace says I love you like you are. Truth says I love you too much to let you stay that way. Grace says I love the sinner. Truth says I hate the sin. Grace says anybody can come to Jesus. Truth says but all must come through Jesus. Grace says God is love. Truth says God is holy. Grace says there's a heaven and you can go there. Truth said there's a hell and you can go there. There's salvation for all who come to Christ. Grace says there's salvation for all who come to Christ. Truth says there's judgment for all who don't. And let me stop right there just a minute because I know today it's not real popular to talk about hell and judgment and punishment in a modern day church. But how in the world do you present the gospel of Jesus Christ talking about eternity in heaven John, we had that conversation a week or two ago, and not talk about eternity in heaven. We are all eternal beings. We're all going to spend eternity somewhere. That's the only question. There's one or two places. 
And people that don't know, you can reject Christ, you can say, I don't believe in God, and all that. That doesn't change the fact that you're going to spend eternity in hell. Now, listen to me. I'm not talking about fire and brimstone, turn before you burn sermons every Sunday morning in church. That's not what I'm talking about, okay? And we probably need one of them every once in a while, though. But I'm talking about standing up and presenting the whole gospel, presenting the truth, not being ashamed of it and saying, this is what God says. If you reject Christ, you will be, you will be punished with the eternity in hell in the, in, in the fires and pain of hell. That's just the gospel. And preachers today need to quit being ashamed of that, quit apologizing for it, and man up and tell people that. And we do as believers. We need to share the gospel with people and be honest with them. If they walk away, that's between them and God. We've done our part. I'm not being ugly, not being mean, but there's too many people today that don't even want you to mention that side of judgment. And what it tells people is you can come in and you can have Jesus and all the good stuff, but if you don't want to, it don't matter. Well, it does matter because there's a judgment on the other side that most people haven't told them about or they don't want to deal with. So that's all I'm going to say about that, but I just I got to think about that. Too many preachers, I call them Tinkerbell preachers, they don't want to talk about what's real, so... Anyway, don't get me on the soapbox this morning. I'll get in trouble. Think about this. Grace minus truth is defective. It's just deceptive. And basically, grace without any truth is liberalism. Just do whatever you want to. Right? Just It's okay. Truth without grace is defective. It doesn't work. And basically, it's legalism. Do this, do this, go down, shake the preacher's hand, sign a card, put it in the plate, you're done. But that's, that's truth. That's saying what you need to do to get saved. But that never deals with the... Well, the, the grace part of it. Grace plus truth is liberty. It's balanced. It's equipped to deal with the challenge of making disciples. When we have both, we're in a balanced position. And that gives us the ability to love people, to bring people in, but to be able to make sure we tell them the truth, meet them where they are. And, and if you love people enough, they'll let you tell them the truth. They'll let you share the gospel with them. And if you love on them enough and set a good enough example, a lot of people can be one to Christ just by the fact that that person cares. I want people to be able to come to our church and leave here going, I think I could like this bunch of people. I want to be here with them. And I want to be part of that family because we are a church family when we look at it. And I, you know, I want us to be balanced. I want us to be that kind of family where people come in and they feel welcome. They feel at ease. They feel comfortable. They trust us with their lives, their social lives, their children's lives. They trust us with their spiritual lives. They trust us with their hurts and their pains. And, and they're not, they're not afraid to share them with us because they know we care and we're not just running around going, well, I didn't know that about him. You know, and that's what we do sometimes. But I also want them to know that we're a church family that loves them enough. We're going to share truth with them. We're going to teach them how to live out truth and we are going to live out truth in front of them. That's the key. You can't give something to somebody that you're not willing to do yourself. That's a pretty hard sell. And so that's one of the things that, uh, that we need to pay attention to. Our church is strong in truth and in faith, in truth. But our staff is committed to the gospel. Our teachers are committed to teaching. Our Bible studies on Wednesday night, they're all Bible studies. It's not any of this feel-good stuff. They're Bible studies. And that's what we're committed to here. So we've always been a church that's strong on truth. And a church that's very welcome in church, I think. So what I'm trying to say this morning, I'm going to kind of talk to the house this minute, but I think we need to be better. And I think we can be better. And I think there's some issues we need to overcome. And... Uh, if we ever want to reach lost people for Jesus and bring unchurched people back into the family and make mature disciples that can deal with this world we live in today. And as I say from a, from a church family's perspective, and I'm talking to staff first, okay, it starts with me. I can say that for me. I can't speak for the rest of them, but I know they feel the same way. It starts with me. 
deacons, teachers, leaders, and everyone. If we are ever going to be the church that we've talked about this morning, we have to start acting like it with each other. Why would God send us any more people when we don't even treat each other right sometimes? Now, I'm not beating us up, and I'm not saying we're bad. But I'm just saying as individuals, life goes on. But we need to learn and appreciate each other. And, you know, none of us are perfect. We're not all going to agree all the time. We don't have to, but as believers, we have to love and respect each other. You have to. That's the gospel. Like all families, you know, we don't turn the same way. We have different ideas, different thoughts, different likes, different dislikes. And, you know, and sometimes it's best to just leave each other alone for a day. I told first class at one time I lived in a house with a wife, a a 16-year-old daughter, a 10-year-old daughter, a mother-in-law, and two aunts. Some days it was great. Some days I got up and prayed, please, God, call me in to work today. Or you just knew you just need to get out of the house. Just go do something. And it's the same way. Hey, Lucy and I got two TVs. Sometimes we watch separate TVs. It's just best that we do that. Even as church members, some days maybe me and you don't need to talk. But that's okay. We're going to love each other and we're going to see each other again tomorrow. It's going to be over with. And that's some of the things that I think we need to think about. We're not all turned the same but here's the thing about it, and, I, and I've been in this church since 1992. I love this place. It has been so good to me. I came here needing a place to just heal up and feel better about myself. And God's let me do a lot of great things here. I tell my Sunday school class all the time, and you can go ask them. I've been teaching them for 20 years. I love you guys. We are family. We hurt together. We laugh together. We cry together. That's what a church is. That's what a church family is. And we're all a church family. And I know some of you better than others, but I feel the same about all of you. And I tell them, and that's what we have to be. But if we can't be that together, all of us, you know, to communicate, to love each other, to respect each other, to pray more than we talk and complain. Uh-oh, I'm going to get in trouble here. But we all do it, and I do it. But just to think about every day, God's trying to do something great here and wants to. And here's my thought on it. If we don't win that war here, if Satan wins a war here, we really ought to be ashamed of ourselves. And I'll say this, there's so much talent There's so much resources, so much facilities. Some of the best people I've ever met in my life in this church, in this community. There's no reason for it. And, you know, it's just, we we need to just understand that we need to get it right because God wants to do something here. And we need to live the way he called us to live. And, uh, you know, I'm sure some of you say, well, there's there's a couple of so-and-so's don't deserve it. Well, that's true, but... Seems like a little over 2,000 years ago, Jesus hung on a cross and looked out across humanity and said, none of them deserve it, but I'm going to do it anyway. That's where we get bigger than who we are. When we say, maybe somebody don't deserve it, but I'm going to do it anyway. I can't answer for you, and you can't answer for me, but we're all going to answer to God someday. And I just believe that we can be great here, and God can do great things here. We're almost there. We just need to get over who we are a little bit and hug people's neck and say, okay, we're different. We don't agree on this. But that's not going to stop us from doing what God sent us to do. Because ultimately, that's what we're going to be judged on. And not what I like, what I don't like, what made me mad, what didn't make me mad. And I'm not fussing at us. I'm in this together. You're my church family. I need you. I want you in my life. And, and I hope you feel the same about me. And I hope you trust me enough to know that I'd be there. It's just from the heart this morning. I'm not beating anybody up. And... Uh, I know as staff, we have a burden to say, you know, we're trying to love on people and do the right thing. But we can do it if we want to. Amen? I'm not going to keep you long. We're going to pray and and have a hymn meditation. I'm 
Said what I need to say, and that's all we need to do, right? I do, I do appreciate you guys. I've been in this church a long time. It's been good to me, and I, I can't tell you every day how much you mean to me. And so that's my heart and where I'm at with it. And, yeah, hey, if I did something to hurt one of your opinions, you come to me and I'll apologize. I don't have a problem with it. I mean, just don't let something go. Just communicate and talk to each other, and, and let's fix the little stuff that's keeping us from seeing the glory of God because we ever get around where we see these people get saved every Sunday and say, man, three more today and two last week. This little stuff will go away. You won't even see it. It won't even matter. Because the Holy Spirit gets involved in it. It's bigger than all of us. And that's what we need to do. Let me pray for us. Father, just pray this morning, Father, that you love us and care for us and understand that we are a work in progress. And, Father, I pray that uh, just the time that we've talked about this morning and shared some of your word and shared some truth from your scripture about what kind of people we need to be and what kind of church we need to be, that, Father, you would bless us, that you would teach us, you would encourage us, you would still love us in spite of ourselves at times. And, Lord, teach us to love each other and love you more each day. Thank you for the opportunity you give us for this church, for the beauty of the family we have here together. And, Lord, I just praise you and bless you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.